Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast, Episode 1. Tonight, we are kicking off our podcast with a special guest, my friend and former co-worker and currently the Vice President of Marketing and Communication at Indiana Tech, Brian Englehart. Brian, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be the first guest, and hopefully I don't do such a poor job that I'm the last guest. <laughs> well, that <laughs> remains to be seen. We'll see as, how the next hour goes. Well, thanks for being on. We're going to get to the three questions that we ask our guests. We like to hear yeah. about people's career path. We like to hear a little bit about their organizations and sure. then the work that they're doing today. But you recently returned from a campus that was not Indiana Tech. You recently took I your daughter did. to William and Mary, which is also your alma mater. So it was it nice to be on a campus that you could just sort of relax and be a parent? Or what was that experience like? It was nice to be that, um, to have uh, being the one asking the questions, not the one having the questions asked of. Um, it was, you know, but it was very much of a piece with what we've experienced at Indiana Tech. I think they, like us and many college campuses, are just being very cautious about how they bring students back. Um, so our daughter, Grace, is starting her sophomore year in college and uh, decided to transfer to my alma mater. So um, I'm very proud of her, as is her mom. But it was, you know, at first it was a little quiet um, for a move-in kind of day. Um, they're only moving in freshmen and transfers there to start uh, the first two weeks of the semester. And uh, so she was one of the first to move in, and she and her roommate were virtually the only ones on their hall uh, the first night. And But it started to pick up and uh, get more activity as the days were on while we were there. So over the three days we were there, she was able to meet uh, some more of the women who were going to be living with her in her dorm and um, just start to make her way around campus some more. So it started to get more of that that feel. But I think they're doing a good job there um, in making sure that, um, again, everybody's safe. They're starting online, and then after Labor Day, uh, they'll go in person and bring some more of the students on the campus. And uh, so far, their their approach seems to be working very well. They've been sending out uh, updates to parents and students every day about uh, anything that's been reported, or even just locally in the city of Williamsburg and on the peninsula in Virginia there. Um, about the COVID situation, and they, they all seem to be managing that very well in that part of Virginia. So, so we have confidence she'll be okay. We hope that everything continues to go smoothly and she'll be able to have a, as normal an experience as possible. Well, great. Uh, and she yeah. chose William & Mary because of such esteemed alumni as Thomas <laughs> Jefferson and you. Uh, well, maybe not me. Uh, one of my classmates was Pat Oswalt. Oh, She's way go. more impressed with Pat Oswalt than with me. Well, as she should uh, be. As she should be, as I am. Uh, yeah, so and she was really mad when she found out that he was a classmate of mine after having seen the movie Ratatouille, not before <laughs> when she was a little girl. So um, so anyway, so yes, far more distinguished alumni than I am, but uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's uh, excited to start there for sure. So what was it like for you being in, in higher ed marketing watching your daughter select the college, knowing that, um, you know, she's, she's, she's made a couple different decisions. If you can elaborate on that, what's it like looking at that from a parent's perspective that's helped you in your work, if, if anything? Well, I mean, it it just really the way it helped me. And I think, um, all of us on my team and, and on our admissions team who have also gone through that as parents, it's, it really puts you in, um, very much the first person view of, um, the things that, parents are wondering about, um, as you would expect. So it's it's about, um, you know, what kind of experience is my child going to have? What kind of value are they going to get out of this? Um, you know, and particularly this year, you know, what kind of safety measures are in place? Um, so it's, but you just experience that on a much more emotional level. And so, you know, you try and keep that in mind as you're uh, continuing to, to put together communication and be in touch with parents about, you know, just how, how much they have tied up in this person that they're sending and entrusting you uh, with um, over these next four years. And it just gives you that much more of a heightened respect for, um, you know, uh, making sure those students have the best experience they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. So um, on this podcast, we can do anything we want since it's the first Great. episode. But okay. what are we doing? What I'm planning on doing is, is again, three questions. We're going to talk about your career path. How did you end up doing what you're doing today? What is the organization you work for? Um, what does the organization do? What does your work entail? Right. And then the last question we'll get to is what are some of the most exciting, interesting things, challenging things maybe that you're working on right now? But let's start sure. at the beginning with your career path. So you mentioned you went to William & Mary. I did. Maybe take us back a little bit. How did you end up at William & Mary? And then how did you end up in Indiana from William & Mary? 
Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So this is going to take a while, I suppose. Yeah. Um, we have all night. So how did I wind up at William <laughs> Mary? So I actually grew up in suburban New York. I grew up on Long Island, and I was the youngest of five. So um, I was the youngest of five in a Catholic family where my parents realized, oh, we're still having kids. Uh, so my dad retired when I was still fairly young. And uh, we re he retired, and he and my mom and I settled on the eastern shore of Virginia. And he worked in education, too, He correct? did, yeah. yeah. So he was a uh, math teacher who became a school administrator. He became a uh, school principal. And uh, so he was a principal the whole time I was growing up. And uh, my mom was a teacher also. And so when, when they retired, um, he was able to retire fairly young. And um, we moved to the eastern shore of Virginia along the Chesapeake Bay. So I actually went to high school not too far from William & Mary. And uh, I think what um, folks, a lot of folks don't necessarily realize about it is that it's actually a state school for the state of Virginia. Um, it's an excellent school, but a lot of people think it's a private, but it's a public university. It's so the, It's the oldest university in the country, is that correct? It is the second oldest. You're right behind Harvard. Behind Harvard, okay. yeah. So. It was founded in 1693, um, and but it's a state of Virginia institution, okay. so just a great value for a great education. Um, and uh, so I was kind of drawn to it for its um, kind of its nice size. It's sort of mid-size. It's not too small, not too big. Um, uh, for its liberal arts tradition, I've always been drawn more towards history and English, which kind of we'll talk a little bit about, kind of led me to sort of where I am and, and gave me the skills to do some of the things that I'm doing now. But um, just sort of, it was about two hours away and, and really just kind of enjoyed that combination of factors. It was away, but not too far and um, certainly a really good school and, and a great setting. So, um, so that's kind of what took me there. And then while I was there, I really started to gravitate uh, more towards uh, government and political science, international relations. And so that's what I wound up majoring in. And I was a minor in history and English, so I just, you know, always, you know, enjoyed writing and got a really additional, you know, good instruction and training in that, which has served me well throughout my career. Um, but during that time, I wound up interning on Capitol Hill. Um, they had a really good program um, and still do, you know, to, uh, to foster that in, in students. And Washington, D.C. is not that far away. So I actually wound up interning for a congressman from Indiana, um, a gentleman who has since uh, passed away in the intervening years named Jim Johns. And he was sort of from uh, sort of West Central uh, Indiana. And uh, I entered for him uh, in the early 90s for a summer. And uh, so that started to create some of my Indiana connection while also continuing my interest in politics and, and government. And then upon graduating, my first, uh, what I called my first real job out of, uh, at a school was with a, as a deputy campaign manager on a congressional campaign uh, in Virginia. Um, it was for a gentleman named Andy Fox, um, who has and has uh, since returned to being a newscaster in the Virginia Beach area. And uh, so Andy was running for Congress in uh, what was my home district. And uh, that could not have been a better experience for a young person um, from so many perspectives. Uh, one is it kind of gave me a lot of responsibility at a pretty young age and kind of throws you in the deep end and says, you know, can you swim and help us out? You know, everybody's got to be working all the time. And, but it really kind of taught me a lot about many different kinds of people. Um, I met people every day from every kind of background you could imagine. And uh, it really taught me a little bit about, you know, things that uh, they deal with in their lives, uh, things that they have encountered, you know, in their careers and in their home life and uh, just the, the whole spectrum of everything that people, uh, you know, deal with that politics tries to at least help with and, and leaders really try to address in our in our country. So that helped quite a bit. Um, and and a lot of scrutiny from yeah. media and, and a lot of yeah. different, you know, um, uh, constituencies to, to please yeah. and to speak to, which probably is a lot like the work you do today. <laughs> it is. You know, I think I was fortunate, I guess is the right word, that it was much less intense an environment, yeah. um, particularly being young. I mean, there, there was, you know, social media wasn't a thing yet. Mm -hmm. The internet was just sort of dawning at that point. Um, so it's still a very traditional media environment, um, and, but still, it does it does bring a lot of scrutiny and, uh, but also a lot of interest as well. And uh, but I think it also taught me I, I had the opportunity to you know really kind of uh, start developing skills in writing. You know, for everything from news releases to speeches to you know making the case for the candidate and um, you know so it was also just happened to be just great fun. You know, I was you know 22 and um, you know didn't have anything. 
you know, other responsibilities as far as family or anything like that. And uh, those were the days. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so, but uh, no, that was, it was, a, it was a great way to start the career for sure. Yeah. So, so you're working in your home district, yep. working for Andy Fox, um, and take us to how you ended up in Indiana. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, I had interned uh, for an Indiana member of Congress, Jim Johns. And uh, so after the campaign, unfortunately, we were not successful. We did not win our race. But uh, through some connections on the campaign, I uh, was able to get a job at a PR firm in Washington um, as a staff writer. And uh, a gentleman that I worked with on the campaign had joined the firm that I ultimately wound up joining. They were looking for more help. And uh, so I moved to Washington, D.C., not too long after the conclusion of the campaign and um, just sort of started my career there um, in communication. And uh, we had a variety of clients. It was uh, corporate clients, government, political candidates, et cetera. But also during that time, I had really kept in close touch with a lot of the people I had interned with, people from Congressman Johnson's office, and uh, that sort of became my immediate friend group when I first moved to DC. It's good to have a network like that and just, you know, just people to hang out with when you're in a new city. And, uh, and one of the women who I had kept in touch with um, had taken a job with uh, the congresswoman at the time from Fort Wayne, uh, Jill Long, uh, uh, as, uh, uh, in her Washington office. And so she moved back to D.C. And then, uh, funny enough, I actually interviewed for a job with uh, Jill Long at one point, as did the person who ultimately became my wife, who got the job instead of me. <laughs> so she's never let me forget that. Well, and probably still would, if we're being honest. <laughs> if we're being honest, yeah. she would get most jobs over <laughs> me if she were competing with me on those things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, so I kept in touch with our friend and then um, interviewed for that job. Didn't get it. Uh, my wife relocated from here to Washington and then through that same friend, uh, just at, uh, you know, uh, just out one night, just introduced us and things kind of went from there. So uh, my wife was from Fort Wayne. And uh, so we got married in D.C., uh, spent the first part of our marriage there. And then as we started a family, we're looking to maybe be closer to extended family. Um, my family was not from the D.C. area. They were probably four or five hours away. Fort Wayne's a little further, but um, both of us had good opportunities. Uh, she wanted to be close to one of the families. Yeah, and, we yeah. just kind of want to be closer to the grandparents and just find a place where it's, you know, a little bit more family friendly to raise sure. kids as we as we did start our family. So, so when did you move to Indiana? What year? We moved in 2003. 2003. 2003. Okay. Yeah. So, so talk about where did you land um, job-wise, and I think yeah. it's a place very very <laughs> near to where we're recording this episode. It's the place we're sitting in right That's now. That's right. <laughs> I landed about 10 feet away in yeah. the office over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my first uh, my first job here in Fort Wayne was at Asher Agency, uh, and I was a senior account supervisor and director of public relations at that time. Uh, and uh, so I was here for about six years. And, um, and that was a good transition to a couple of things. One, it was um, I'd always been in more of the PR area um, of communication. This, uh, you know, particularly at the time, was much more of a traditional advertising agency. So it kind of started filling in the picture for me of, you know, the entire industry of PR, advertising, marketing, communication. So it was a, a bit more of that next piece of the puzzle. So that was what intrigued me about it. Um, it was also a really, really good interest introduction uh, to Fort Wayne in Northeast Indiana. Um, then, as now, you know, the agency has a wide range of clients, both public and private sector clients. So it really gives you a good sense of, you know, things that are happening here. Um, the staff is really well connected to a lot of the things that were going on. So it was really a good way for me to get to know the city um, and even the state. You know, we have a lot of clients at that time, and I believe as you do now, uh, down in Indianapolis, Indianapolis area that I would travel back and forth for. And, um, so I, I don't know that I could have asked for a better way to um, to start a career here in, in Fort Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. So then you moved on to Britain. Um, I did. Britain, uh, which is a really great creative shop here in Fort Wayne. Tell us yep. about the work you did there and, and what your experience was like at Britain. Um, also great. Um, you know, I think I've been fortunate throughout my career. Every stop, I've had the good fortune to work for good people. Um, you know, and I've tried to model that as I've kind of gone on and, and built teams of my own. So, you know, I think moving to Britain, it was much, uh, it was much more of, I would say, more of a business to consumer kind of environment. And you're right, it was probably founded much more out of a creative services um, kind of expertise, where I was always felt that Asher was founded a little bit more out of the account service and strategy and, and development that way. So it's just two sides of the same coin. 
right? And at the time, I think they were looking to grow their account base. And uh, so I joined on as director of client services. Um, they were still fairly new at that point, probably three, four, five years old. This would have been about 2009 or so. Um, and so I joined on as um, they did a lot of work with uh, Vera Bradley um, and continue to. Um, but I think they were really looking to build the non-Vera Bradley side of the business just to, to attract more clients, uh, you know, in that industry and utilize that, you know, really excellent track record they had in, in helping drive results for Vera. Um, and so it was, uh, it was really a good time to, to join the firm and um, really experienced uh, some really good times there with that team and, and learned a lot, you know, both from Jeff and Sue Britton about um, not just the clients we were serving, but just go, how to go about building a business, um, how to treat people, um, you know, and how to get the, you know, the best out of them and position them for success. So, um, so I owe a lot to them and, and my experience there too. So, but I, I would say that was, you know, if, uh, if Asher was a little bit more advertising marketing, I would say, you know, Britain was a little bit more marketing communication, probably a little less traditional. Um, that was also during the time where social media, you know, was becoming more prominent. So it gave me an opportunity to work in that realm a little more. Um, digital had become much more of a mature tool in terms of, you know, um, e-commerce and those kind of things. So it really enabled me to, to add some of that experience to my resume as well. And, and, well, that's the thing that's fascinating to me about listening to career paths because you see how things start to stack up. You know, right. you start out working in 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 politics and you're learning public advocacy and PR sure. then you stack on top of that some advertising then you stack on top of that you know right. the creative stuff so you've got now this this continuum of skills and then who comes knocking on your door for your next job uh, Indiana Tech. Yeah. Um, so I, I met uh, Dr. Snyder. Art Snyder was the president of Indiana Tech um, at the time, probably in early 2013. And, uh, you know, that was at a time in my career I was starting to wonder, you know, what is next? You know, would I be interested at some point in starting or running my own firm? Um, or, you know, are there areas of interest that I really haven't um, touched on at that point? And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the way you talk about a career path, I would say I've generally been a little winding, but at the same time, all in the general direction of communication and trying to fill in some of those of those blanks. And beyond that, if I find it interesting, that's really what matters to me. And if I can just continue to learn, that's what matters to me. Yeah, and so, I think what, what sometimes when I talk with, you know, college students or younger people, um, a lot of this isn't planned. You right. know, it's kind of yeah. like yeah. you stumble upon opportunities and some of it is great, some of it is less great. But, you know, even those less great experiences, you say, all right, now I know what I don't want to do. For sure. Yeah. So okay. um, so you meet Dr. Snyder, you start at Indiana Tech. Yep. Um, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about Indiana Tech and and, mm -hmm. and talk about the university as if um, you know someone didn't know much about Indiana Tech. How do yeah. you describe Indiana Tech? What's it all about? What are some of the facets of the university people might not be all that aware of? Well, one I think um, I think given the name, people maybe not on a casual level be as aware of is that we are a university. Um, we're not um, just focused on engineering or technology. That is certainly our heritage and. An, area of excellence for us. So uh, we actually have three colleges that fall under the university, um, College of Engineering, um, College of Arts and Sciences, and the College of Business. Um, so that's one thing. You know, I think there's a much greater diversity of programs uh, and degree programs, everything from certificates to associate degrees, bachelor's, master's, PhD programs um, that people can take advantage of there. So I think that's one thing um, that people are maybe not immediately aware of until they start uh, looking at us a little bit more in earnest. Um, second is I think the number of students that we serve. Um, we actually have on the air, on the in the area of about seven to eight thousand students with us, and we have our traditional campus here in Fort Wayne that this region is probably the most familiar with. So it's uh, just east of downtown. We've been there since the mid '50s, and you know, so we have about fifteen hundred traditional undergraduates come and live with us and learn with us each year uh, on that campus. So that that's the student who comes out of high school looking for a four-year experience, you know, go away to college, maybe play a sport, um, you know, that kind of thing. So much larger in our universe, as it is for education in general in this country now, is more that non-traditional audience, which is starting to become a bit of a misnomer, right? It's, you know, the traditional is actually, the non-traditional is actually 
the larger number of learners in a college environment now. So that's the maybe mid-career professional looking to finish a degree. Maybe they started their bachelor's but didn't finish. Uh, maybe they're looking to get a master's degree. Uh, maybe they're looking to switch careers and need a, you know, a different degree to get started in something. And so we have on the order of about 6,500 students in that program now. And, and that's not just here in Fort Wayne. That's uh, online. It's also at regional campuses that we have down in Indianapolis and over in Lafayette to northwestern Indiana, down into northern Kentucky, on down to Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is our newest location. So, so we actually serve students really at almost every stage of their lives. We've got, you know, the 18-year-old leaving home for the first time on up to, you know, people in their 50s and 60s looking to, you know, either advance or continue a career or just, you know, check off a, a really good, you know, life goal of getting, you know, a master's degree or even pursuing a PhD and going into teaching and those kind of things. Um, so I think that's that can be surprising to people who don't know much about us. But I think at our core, we really remain um, what we were at our founding. We're really very focused on um, helping people achieve careers um, that are going to be relevant today and into the and well into the 21st century, but also living lives of significance and worth. And so, you know, our, our programs are very much oriented towards you know entering a field of some sort. Um, so you're not going to come to Indiana Tech and be a history major um, or a government major like I was. But you will come here um, and graduate ready to be an accountant um, or a biomedical engineer uh, or a marketing professional, um, you know, uh, criminal justice. You know, you can go into law enforcement. Um, there's uh, just a, a really great range of things that we do prepare you for. But within that, we really do want to make sure that we're educating the whole person and providing them with the support needed um, to really think about how do I go about the next steps and, uh, and start that career path that we were just talking about that, that can be winding. Um, and for us as an institution, we really want to be there th for them throughout that. Uh, so, you know, we've been looking at uh, how do we continue to serve and keep you updated with your skills and your knowledge uh, because, you know, it's not just a credential and then you move on to your career. You got to keep getting educated and you got to keep adding those credentials as you go. Yeah, and, and that's what impressed me most about Indiana Tech. I mean, I'll, I'll mention that um, my initial exposure to Indiana Tech was as a student. Mm. I did the MBO, MBA program, um, finished back in, I think it was 2003. Sure. Um, it's been a long time, and I'm getting older, so I forget dates. But <laughs> 2003, and what I really enjoyed about the experience was how student-focused it was, right. the fact that I was I was a working adult. I had, at the, at the time, my son was, you know, he would have been four years old when I graduated. Right. So have a young son, have a somewhat demanding job and yet I was able to make a master's degree program work and do it in an accelerated fashion and right. you know I, I genuinely believe that's one of the things that Indiana Tech does best because faculty and staff are all very committed to students being successful and, and that's right. that's the I think the the difference is that I think every higher ed professional almost without exception, is committed to helping students. Oh, for sure. But Indiana Tech does it in a way that really aligns well with a career and some of those other responsibilities while also serving well the needs of traditional students. So yeah. um, it's a multifaceted institution, does a lot of things well. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we really have an amazing faculty. I mean, they're, they're not just, you know, really proficient at teaching, but many of them are experts in their field who have, you know, maybe had a, you know, a career um, in doing what they're teaching prior to becoming a teacher full-time. Um, so I think that really adds that level of I know where you're coming from and I know the seat you're sitting in because I was there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're really good about making themselves available to students of all ages to say, you know, I can give you that helping hand to not just learn this material, um, but to, you know, get you connected into the industry, too. So um, and I, we try and make sure that. You know, that is made people understand that that is an important differentiator for us that, you know, we know that school is probably not the most important thing that you as a working adult have on your plate, yeah. but it's an important thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to make it as straightforward for you um, to enter that, you know, to have a hand on your shoulder throughout saying, you know, you can do this and we can help you. And uh, and you really start to see the benefit from there. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the campus itself, while a lot of education is happening virtually and remotely these days, the campus, the campus itself is phenomenal. It's really yeah. a beautiful campus, has grown a ton. I tell people all the time, it's, it's kind of funny that 
the building that was the new building when I was a student is now one of the older buildings. That's true. And, you know, that hasn't that hasn't been recently renovated. Uh, it's been updated, but not renovated. So a lot of growth, right. uh, really great facilities and really transforming um, a part of Fort Wayne in, in a different way and just, yeah. you know, becoming a real nice community centerpiece. Yeah, it's a great place to go to work every day. It yeah. really is a beautiful setting. And, you know, our students love it. We're in close proximity to all the great things that are happening uh, in downtown Fort Wayne, you know, which we're big supporters of and, uh, you know, want to see continue. And uh, so it's it's a good setting for us. And it really also helps keep our students connected to the community. And we want to make sure that we're helping them, you know, see that there's really great opportunity here in Northeast Indiana. And, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of great career opportunities out here. Um, so why not stay? Um, you know, we'd like to be a talent attractor yeah. and uh, and make sure that the, they, they see that as a really good option. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, one of the great things about Northeast Indiana is we have really great colleges. Yeah. Um, Fort Wayne is, you know, in an odd way, kind of a college town and a great opportunity to get people into the area and stay. I mean, you and I are both transplants. Yep. Um, so we yeah. can speak, you know, to that. Yep. But uh, it's nice to see some people younger than us. Uh, <laughs> it would be nice come to in. continue seeing yeah. that next year. Yeah, for sure. Us, yeah. Sure. Well, um, let's talk now about you know. So, so Indiana Tech. Um, you know, you've been there now. How long is it? Um, seven years. Okay. Hard to believe All it's right. been that long, but All seven right. years. Yeah. So um, let's talk about some of the projects you're working on right now, and mm-hmm. you know whether it's I don't know I don't know what word I would use, but what are some of the most interesting, exciting, challenging? Because mm-hmm. you know the times we're in, I'm sure <laughs> there's some challenges. Right. What are some of the big things you're working on, and how are you navigating some of the challenges we're going through right now? I think at a high level, what we're what we're navigating right now is also kind of it dovetails with challenges and opportunities in higher ed in general. So, in the springtime, so COVID nineteen arrives on the scene, um, make the responsible choice that for our traditional program and our in person classes for our College of Professional Studies uh, that we're going to go all online for the rest of the semester. Um, so that's sort of early March to, you know, up to commencement um, time period in May and then beyond even for the, the CPS sessions that continue on with that. So that really highlights, um, you know, can we be flexible to do that and still provide for those who have been taking in-person classes, you know, just as good an educational experience. Um, but it also kind of highlights things that I think higher ed is working on but also needs to continue to think hard about which is the flexibility of your delivery modes. Um, you know, even in the traditional undergraduate environment, more and more you're seeing students come into that environment having had online class experience. And you know, you're starting to see that, you know, they're wanting that as an option for at least some of their classes. They want that in-person experience. They want to live on a campus. And we're seeing that in particular now after, after you know, particularly some of them in the spring might have ended their high school careers online, you know, no fault of the high schools. Some of that didn't go as well as it could have. Sure. Um, so they're they're ready to to move back to uh, you know in person. But at the same time, you know, they are asking those questions which you would expect, which is you know, for every class, do I need to show up every Tuesday at a building in a classroom and be in a classroom to learn this? Um, certainly, there's things that you definitely want to do that. But it sort of starts to influence you know how do you go about um, you know teaching and mentoring in an era where, you know, we're much more attuned to doing things on demand, right? Accessing course content whenever we want. Um, How do you make the most of that um, time you would have with a student one-on-one and in person? And so it really kind of, you know, accelerated some of that for us to think, you know, even further about, you know, how is, what does education look like at Indiana Tech in five years and 10 years for our students of every age? And so I think that's the big challenge for higher ed in general, and it's an exciting one. I think for us at Indiana Tech, we're uniquely well positioned to be continuing on that path. We started online um, coursework at Indiana Tech sort of the mid-late 2000s um, in our College of Professional Studies program. So it's not new to us, which is, I think, what allowed us to pivot as quickly as we were able to and as effectively as we're able to, even on the traditional undergraduate in-person side. Um, we weren't rookies at it. You know, there's certainly there are um, some folks who have more experience with it than others, but we were able to, to navigate that really well. But it's also allowed us to, to think a little further ahead than just how do we make sure that this fall we are able to pivot back to online if we need to. So, so we've started doing things that I think we're going to continue and continue to build on, like, you know, here on the main campus, 
classes, all classes are being live streamed, you know, so we install the technology in every classroom to do that. So if, for example, you're an international student who hasn't been able to get back to the United States yet, you could take your classes online to start and take part via live stream. And it's a live, you know, environment that you're in. Uh, or if, you know, we hope it doesn't happen, but if you happen to fall ill and you can't come to class for a couple of weeks, you don't have to lose progress. You can still take part in class. We're also recording all the classes that way. So you can go back, you know, even if you're able to attend, go back and review the course material. So we're starting to include more and more kind of features like that in all of our um, classrooms. And I think on the CPS side, you'll start to see that be influential in terms of, you know, what if you have a class, you know, uh, in whatever topic it is that's in person in Indianapolis that has three people and you've got two people signed up in, you know, say Munster, you know, one person wants to take that in Lafayette. Well, what if you were able to bring them together in a virtual environment, teach it in the classroom, but have people sort of live stream in and take part virtually that way? So I think it can expand what we can offer people um, in, a, uh, in, a, in an environment that um, can be challenging to schedule things effectively for people to take in person. So. Yeah, in kind of a strange way, preparing people for the new workforce, right? You know, because if you have to yeah. work with people virtually, I mean, for I sure. know today I started my day in the office. I went back home and worked remote for about six hours, then came back. Right. And, you know, you're tying in people from all over the country when need be. So students yep. learning those skills, there's a lot of value in that yep. because, you know, in a sense, the classroom environment as we knew it in February of 2020 right. is very different than a workplace environment in some yeah. respects. So um, before the coronavirus, were the, what population, what percentage of CPS students we're taking classes online about. It continues to grow. I want to say that's now at about 75%. Okay. So, and I don't think that's going to continue. I think sure. that'll continue to grow. Yeah. Um, I think there'll always be some demand, particularly based on the topic for in-person experiences. But we are looking at doing some new innovative new things in terms of for um, programs that probably historically have been um, in-person only. Um, we're, we're really developing some programs that we can offer online that you're, are going to be a little more unusual for the time being. Like, so are those engineering programs? They are, yeah. yeah. So we've uh, introduced a couple of new engineering technology programs. Uh, one of them is an associate degree in electrical engineering technology, um, which really prepares you to work in an advanced manufacturing environment, um, setting up, you know, advanced machines, running them, you know, doing reports and diagnostics and, and being the point person for all of that and a, a variety of other things too. But I think one of the things that we're able to do with that is, you know, teach the classes online, provide you with an engineering kit to do some of your lab work, but we're also um, going to be hosting immersion weekends and immersion events on campus so that you can come work on equipment in our main labs, um, hear from industry professionals, you know, we'll bring in, you know, um, people from industry from around Indiana to teach courses and also really also make career connections for people. So I think you're going to start to see some of more of that kind of blended experience where you can take your coursework online um, and also have opportunities to interact in person and utilize things like that. So I think that's going to be part of the future, not just for engineering programs, but for others uh, that we're developing too. So, um, so it sounds like it's really about just leveraging what's best about correct. virtual learning, what's best about classroom learning and and making it sort of the right fit for the students so yes. that when when convenience is important, that's yep. available, but when they need that relationship building, when they need right. that hands-on help, you can do that. Yeah, and it, it expands your reach and it expands the number of students who can take advantage of the opportunity. You don't, you don't need to live in proximity to a campus that offers this in order to get your education. Um, and by expanding the types of programs you can access that way, I think we'll be doing some innovative things uh, yeah. along those lines. So, um, but beyond that, I think you know what what we're seeing in terms of challenges and things that you know are interesting and, and things that are you know taking up a lot of mind space for us and and for me as as someone who's working to communicate the opportunities to students uh, at Indiana Tech. It, it's it's much more about um, you know the changing demographics of students. Um, the changing nature of careers and, you know, where we're headed as far as opportunities, both not just here in the region, but um, throughout the country. You know, so on one hand, um, when you look at um, demographics here in the Midwest, um, we're going to see a decline in the number of high school students uh, graduating high school. 
Um, so that makes it much more competitive to attract students. And that's not Keep graduation them. rate, that's just pure population. Pure numbers, of, yeah. pure numbers. Yeah. So there's just gonna be fewer high school grads. Yep. Um, and we're not the only region in the country that's like that. Midwest in particular is like that, but there are many others that are gonna be that way. And that's gonna be over the next four or five years where that's gonna take place. Um, and you know, so that poses challenges. So it also makes it, you know, you've gotta make sure that your programs are, are top notch and that you can attract um, students who are, who are motivated and come in the numbers that uh, you know, can provide a good educational experience to everybody. And more, I think more broadly, I think what you're seeing is a little bit of what we, we talked about earlier in terms of uh, you need to keep learning throughout your career because you're, you're not likely these days to stay at a place for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And you might not even be that likely to have the same career for 30 or 40 years. So, you know, having that opportunity and those resources to keep learning uh, in the moments and as you need it is important. And I think higher ed has some some miles to go to be yeah it's not an really industry that's known that. as being yeah. real agile at least Correct. not to date so yes. yeah yeah so i think our you know our intent and our our continued aspiration is to to be that and uh, so you're starting to see us develop um, new educational offerings that address that so we've uh, been creating more certificate level programs and you know but those also still bear college credit so you can earn a certificate say in accounting um, project management, uh, um, you know, marketing, management, those kind of things. But you also get college credits for those five, six courses you take to earn your certificate. So that if you do want to go on and get a degree in that, you're, you've at least jumped forward to that. But still on its own, it's this very compelling credential that might serve your company better, or might help you brush up on a skill to, you know, start your own firm, or maybe you already have done that, but you just want to make sure that you've got a better grounding in an area that you don't currently have expertise in. We see a lot of interest in that from companies looking to educate their staff too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of them uh, are, are very um, proactive and generous with employees for educational benefits. And that could be everything from training future managers by helping them, you know, get a, perhaps an MBA or something like that, uh, or even just the next generation of first level supervisors uh, who just need to learn project management skills and, and become better at that to really start to move up in their organization. It's also a talent retention initiative for companies, uh, so it really works both ways. Um, it's beneficial to the employee. They brush up on their skills. Um, they become more marketable. At the same time, the company can, can really keep attracting, keep good people by investing in them and preparing them for what they need. So you'll, you're going to see more of that, I think, at Higher Ed, too, that close partnership with industry. Um, not that that hasn't been there in various forms over the years, but I think that real intentionality about what kinds of programs do we offer and when um, is going to become more apparent as we really look to, you know, you're an example. So you got your master's at Indiana Tech. Um, we have graduate level, you know, certificate programs now too. So there are opportunities for you to keep stacking credentials and adding on to that. Um, or if you want to go on and get a PhD. And, you know, so we want to really be there throughout that journey and not just treat you as an alum who comes to homecoming and, and uh, supports our annual fund, although we do want you to do that. Um, it's, it, it's much more about how can we be your educational partner yeah. throughout your life, not just your degree grantor after four years. Yeah, well, and it's tied to the whole national conversation about ROI of higher education. Sure. People are yeah. asking questions about what's yeah. the value is this a good investment? So um, it, it's 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 good that Indiana Tech's adapting to that and saying, let's provide people with different ways they can get value out of an education through us. For some people, that's right. still going to be a traditional degree path, but for others, they might want you know certification that is faster to attain, that is right for them at this point in their career, right. knowing that they can build off that moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So as uh, as I said earlier, I think our, our faculty are doing a really good job of. Um, staying uh, in close touch with industry and, and looking not just to today, but to the future as they continue to re refine programs, develop new ones. And um, so that'll be, you know, uh, the exciting part of what I do is, you know, introducing those new um, essentially products to the marketplace and, and helping serve students that way. Yeah. Any, anything else? Any other exciting projects you're working on? Anything comes to mind? You know, one of the things I most enjoy is something we're kind of always doing, but um, we have, you know, set certain goals for us ourselves for this year is really collecting success stories from current students and from alums. It's just really, it's enjoyable, but it's also very compelling to hear the stories of people 
who have taken their Indiana Tech degree or their certificate or um, their experience at Tech and gone on and done some really amazing things. I mean, you hear all kinds of uh, stories about what our alums have done that just really blow you away. Um, for a time during my um, tenure at Indiana Tech, um, I also worked with institutional advancement, which includes alumni relations. So I got to know a lot of our alums. And I mean, we've got people who worked on the Apollo program, you know, up to today. We've got people still working at NASA. We've got them working at Apple. Um, we've got them working at great local firms here, you know, BAE Systems, you know, Sweetwater, um, MedPro, um, you know, all the, the great firms around here that you can name. And so, and they're becoming the leaders of those firms for tomorrow, but they're also starting their own businesses. And so it's, it's just a lot of fun to hear them talk about that. Um, and they, they, are, they honor us by allowing us to share those stories with potential students. And so that's, that's really um, no surprise. It's, it's how you tell the most effective story in any, any industry. But for higher ed, it's sort of, that can be a complex story to tell. You know, we're not just a product. We're not just an outcome. We're an experience, too. Uh, we're both those things. And we need to have a return on investment. But you need to also understand it's a journey for people uh, during which you want to help them grow. And so hearing our alums and our students talk about how Indiana Tech and our faculty and our staff have helped them do that, probably the favorite part of my job. And so uh, that's something that we always are looking to collect those next group of things. And, and you know, we'll, we'll highlight those and everything from things on campus to events that we do to our advertising. Um, currently, we feature a number of alums uh, in our ads, um, social media, um, but also just trying to get them, um, if they graduated, connected to our current students, because then hopefully they can just extend the hand and help that next generation back up too. Yeah, so William and Mary can keep Patton Oswalt and Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> right. And I think that's the first time that Patton Oswalt and Thomas Jefferson have been paired together. I think that's so, true, yeah. and John Stewart's an alum too. Okay, so, all right. Um, but I think they- Thomas they Jefferson were, is rolling in his grave. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> um, well, I think they'll keep the three of them. They might not keep me, you know, yeah, they're happy. Yeah. You know, go work at Indiana well, I did, Tech. I didn't I'm, mention I'm happy to be I did, There's tech, a reason so. I didn't mention you. <laughs> exactly. No, but I mean, that's really, I mean, I'll say that, um, you know, higher ed was transformative to me and cha right. changed my life. Yep. And, you know, the experience at Indiana Tech has be really been, since I started there, you know, the relationship has continued right. um, because of the people. It really comes down to yeah. the people and their experiences. So I think it's great that you're leveraging that and telling those stories. Yeah, I, I, one of the things that I, I think it's, has, has been getting lost in the national conversation about higher ed, I, I definitely understand and... Um, you know, support the idea that there should be a really good return on your investment. Um, you know, there are certainly many institutions that are not inexpensive to attend, um, but there's also lots of ways and lots of help out there to make sure that college remains affordable and um, not just at tech, but everywhere. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting. To, I'm starting to see a little bit of a dichotomy between sort of the national conversation about how it's all about getting a career, getting a job, um, getting the skills to get that job and, you know, going on and getting that return on investment. And, and certainly it's about that. But it's interesting to hear HR directors and business leaders um, also talk a little more in depth about what they're looking for. Um, they More and more you're hearing that we want our students to be prepared to work as a team, to communicate well, mm -hmm. um, to be able to relate to others, to be able to um, see the big picture to be able to collaborate and do all those things, which when you think about those, we think of those as soft skills as though they're a little bit less relevant or needed. But these are often the first things people mention to us when we ask, well, what are you looking for as we look to maybe partner with a firm? And they say, we're really looking for people who can do those things. Um, and we could teach them skills, right? And that's not to say that they can teach them to be an engineer or an accountant or those things. That, that's not what I mean. It's, um, But they really are looking for that whole person, right, who's going to be a good team member and can be a future leader. And I don't, I don't think you get that just by focusing on, okay, a laundry list of here's the skills we've delivered to you. You need also that qualitative experience. And I, I think the pendulum has swung a little bit away from that as a something we value as a nation in higher ed. And um, so I think that's why I'm really happy that helping students, helping prepare students to lead lives of significance and worth is one of the main tenets of our mission statement. Because we definitely, you know, want to see students not just, again, leave with a set of skills and a degree to do this, 
but the ability to make choices throughout their lives, to be able to have influence over others, to be able to lead and collaborate and set their path. Um, and the only way you really do that is, you know, by developing the whole person. So um, anyway, so I'll get off my soapbox on that one. But <laughs> well, no, I, I, I want to see yeah. that con- conversation get a little yeah. bit richer about those things. And it's, it's not easy all the yeah. time. Um, there, are, there are a large, large range of parents who get that because that's yeah. the kind of experience sure. they had. Um, but sometimes when you see some of the national commentary about higher ed and things they find outrageous, take the worst example, yeah. you know, post it out there. And, well, you know, and it's, it's a harder and, thing to measure, it, right? Yeah. It's a it super is. important thing that's hard to measure. I it always is. tell people yeah. that I was an English major. Right. Um, and I, I am glad I was an English major and I have respect for English majors. But being an English major doesn't prepare you for much in the way of a career, but at the same right. time, it prepares you for almost everything. Right. Because what I always say is what I got out of college is it taught me how to learn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I do every day. So, right. And I don't know that there's another experience I would have had that could have replaced that, regardless of where I went to school. Right. So, Yeah, and I, that's, again, I think that's why I, I like Indiana Tech so much. I think, I think we provide both, right? I think you're going to get on a very specific career path. Um, we've got uh, degrees aligned with that. Um, but we're going to make sure you're, we build up the, the, the whole person along the way, too. So I think that's an unbeatable combo. Yeah. yeah. All right. So because this is the first time we're doing this and we can do anything we want. Excellent. Um, what are we doing next? We're going we're <laughs> to close with three quick hit questions that are kind yep. of a reflection of the questions I asked. Yep. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stall here so you can think about your answers <laughs> since, since, I, since I so woefully prepared you for what these I questions. Said, yeah. So we're going to talk about. Can I contradict about, myself? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. Absolutely. <laughs> let's, it's going to be entertaining. Okay. If right. anyone is still listening, at this point in the conversation. Yeah. Go back and oh, find right. where Brian contradicted himself, <laughs> exactly. and you'll win a prize. Good point. Yeah. So, when you and I go back and listen to this, we'll correct, find this entertaining. Correct, okay. correct, correct. <laughs> um, so the three questions I'm going to ask are, number one, one piece of advice for maybe a younger emerging marketing professional. What's the one thing you've learned that was super helpful to you in your career? The second question is, if you wanted people to know one thing about Indiana Tech in a soundbite, what would it be? And the third thing is, for people working in marketing today, whether they're new or more seasoned, what's the one thing you think is most important for people to focus on in this moment? In other words, if you could give, I want you to give advice to someone new in their career about right. career path, but also advice to a fellow marketing professional about the environment we're in and how you're navigating that. So let's start with the first question. If you were talking to a college student mm-hmm. who was studying marketing or someone who was just getting started in marketing, what's the one piece of advice you'd give them about a career path? I think the best piece of advice I could give somebody just starting out would be to focus on what you can learn, not what you can earn to start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that you don't need to put food on the table or you know earn a good living, um, but you know put yourself in a place where they're going to invest in you to get your knowledge and your experience um, to where you need it to be to really then continue to go on and do great things. So um, you know even things that might seem like grunt work or or those kind of things. Just just find yourself a, a place that's going to invest in the, the the people that they have, and you'll be able to tell that um, you know pretty well uh, from experience in terms of you know if you interview somewhere or if you're um, being proactive in doing an internship uh, with a firm. Um, you know if you have a mentor somewhere, you'll be able to tell the seriousness with which they take that. So don't pass up an opportunity to learn something new. Uh, in the in the short version of that. All right, great. So if you could tell people just one thing about Indiana Tech, mm-hmm. what's the one thing you want them to know? One thing about Indiana Tech, what would I tell people? Uh, there's so much that I normally tell people about it, so I'm trying to think of what would be the one thing. I think for me, um, I think it's our, it's really our, our why. Um, you know, really everybody at Indiana Tech believes to their core that everyone deserves the opportunity to reach their highest potential and that the most surefire and reliable way to do that is through education. Um, Now, that's not always a degree program. Um, Oftentimes it is, but it's not uh, always. It's just a belief that we all have that for any of us to really fulfill who we can be, um, education is the path for that. And I would encourage that no matter where you get your education. But um, so I, I think it's definitely a place that believes that. And I see. I think that's reflected in how you see us talk about ourselves um, with thinking of, you know, our main tagline right now is go for it. Uh, and uh, just that's, that's what we believe. You just 
just jump in and go for it and uh, you deserve it you you uh, you have you know you deserve to be you know uh, have the opportunities that education can provide and there are people to help you yeah. yeah. All right. So the last one, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges in the marketing environment today. You know, the economy is not great. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety out there. Marketers sure. are finding it's really hard to predict the future. So you as a, a wise old marketing sage. <laughs> well, um, old anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what would be a piece of advice you would give to a, to a peer about yeah. how to navigate 2020 and the, and the future? Um, part of my advice would be, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself to predict the future. Um, you know, I think historically, um, we've always had a limited ability to do that anyway. And, you know, I think we, you know, uh, as we've talked about, even at Indiana Tech, I mean, the situation changes every couple of weeks, right? Um, in terms of what kind of impact it could have about, you know, whether we have in-person classes or not, um, things get more or less severe. So, I would I would say give yourself a break um, in terms of trying to make sure that you can prepare for every last thing that could happen. Um, you have to be responsible um, in terms of protecting your operation and your people. More from a communication and marketing standpoint, um, you know I think it just reiterates the importance to understand and meet people where they are, um, whatever message you're communicating. You know, early on in the pandemic, when we had gone online and we were wondering, what is this? You know, how is this going to impact potential students wanting to come from uh, to us? You know, we really tried to sit down and and plot out. Okay, where is people's mindset out right now? Um, they're probably uncertain about their finances, right? Um, if businesses are closing down temporarily or more permanently, you know, um, can I afford an education? There's also going to be the mindset of, you know, I went online, I didn't want to, I'm, I'm raring to go to get back. Um, there's going to be people more concerned about wanting to get to their education, but wanting to maybe not do it in person. So you really kind of had to sit down and think about how does this affect how we talk about the opportunities here? And so I think you need to be cognizant of that um, uh, as far as, you know, people are going to, uh, they've, they've been through a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you can be helpful and what you provide, you know, come at them with that in mind, um, rather than just always from a super promotional mindset. Yeah, yeah. I was I was having a conversation with a group um, of customer service professionals yep. um, earlier today, and somebody said, you know, what's the one thing? And I said, I think it's empathy right now. Yeah, you know, from a customer service standpoint, whether it's it you know serving students, you just don't know what the other person is going through. So right. you know, it's. We should always do that, but 2020 is kind of a nice reminder from the universe that we probably need to do more of that. We absolutely do, and you're right. It's something we should always do. It's, it's You always have to keep in mind, like, you have no idea what the person across from you has been through or, you know, when you're helping them with a problem or if, you know, um, they're reluctant to, you know, take a next step that you'd like to see them take or whatever. And it's, it's you know, we talk about it at Indiana Tech is just making sure we're always giving each other grace. Um, and we do that internally just in terms of helping one another. But you definitely have to do it with people that uh, you're, you're dealing with on a business standpoint, for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of having empathy for the person across the table, <laughs> I'm going to have empathy for you and end the conversation here. But really, this was great. Thank you so yeah, much. I, I knew it would be great um, because you've got a great story to tell. And we could keep talking for hours. But I appreciate you spending some time yeah. sharing a little bit about a back, your background, Indiana Tech, and the stuff you're working on. So very much appreciated, my friend. Thank you're you for welcome. being our first guest. And this went so well, we'll probably do another one. Okay. Hopefully, I didn't ruin the concept. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We will check in with you next time. If you have any recommendations for a guest or a topic, please let us know. And from everyone at Asher Agency, thank you very much for listening. <laughs>